Hello and welcome back to the Comic Obsessive Podcast. I'm Adam Biles. And I'm Jason Dehart. And today we are talking about a Jason pick here. I was new to this comic, new to this series, and really kind of new to the era of DC that we were in because I think I read some Flash around this era and maybe some random Batmans. But my era of DC that I knew more was um, more in the early 90s than in the late 80s. So, mm-hmm. so tell us what we're looking at today. What, what we, at. oh yeah, what, what we're looking at is an issue from 1989. This is one of those, it goes all the way back to a pharmacy spinner rack selection that I just happened upon when I was a young, young D-Heart back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, and this is the issue we're actually focusing on is the end of the series. It was a three-issue event miniseries that occurred in 1989 called Invasion! Exclamation mark. I think you're supposed to say the exclamation mark. They separated yep. it. Yeah. 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 Invasion! Exclamation mark. And uh, it's the what I've come to know it as is worlds colliding. World without heroes. And so um, it's it's just an interesting kind of piece of my comics past that I wanted to force Adam to read for this time around. So Adam, did you? I'll sum the plot up and and such. But did you did you like it? Was it an okay pick? I know that I keep pulling us back into the DC universe. I'm like James Gunn that way. I just keep pulling us back into it. Well, I hated it, and I think this might um, really be the end of the podcast. This is the last one. I this failed. I failed done. in my mission. That's it. No, I, I was unfamiliar <laughs> with it, but I liked it. I, I knew something about it because the aliens were so, um, like, I recognize the aliens. They're just, yeah. Um, you know? Yeah, but they need dental work. They really yeah, do. They, they really do. And I remember, you know, I, I remember seeing some DC titles with invasion tie-in or or whatever it was you know so um i wasn't completely out of the loop but i basically was like i I really couldn't tell you anything about what it was i mean it you know obviously it had aliens and invasion but um i'm I'm sure you're going to do a much better job telling us what this uh this little mini series was about i i will do my best i will do my best and as always uh you're welcome to fill in anything else in my summary but this was an event miniseries, sort of like Crisis on Infinite Earths in that, that sort of regard of being uh, not quite reaching to as many issues as that book did, but it was one of those big sort of event things. And I guess as a kid, I recognized that there was something big about it because the print issue was a little bit thicker than your average comic book. Yeah, and so, it was yeah, yeah, it's it's a pretty sizable book. So this was like a bonus read to me as a kid because you know most books, twenty two pages or so, but this one this one has some heft to it. And uh, as Adam suggested or mentioned, there's an alien invasion that's happening. A group called the Dominators, which is my wrestling name, yeah. and they have a really unique look. They all look kind of like. Uh, an evil Mr. Clean with really, really filed down teeth. It's not It's not pretty. It's not a pretty look. They sort of have robes going on. Um, and their big plan 
comes to fruition in issue three. You're welcome to, to read issue one and two as well. But the one that I focused on this week was issue three because it's the one that I actually read. And I had no idea that there was an issue one or two before this. Um, or uh, I mean, before, you know, the more recent years, because Little D Heart just found the one issue at the pharmacy. So the, the big it was, wasn't it? That like, was it. Back then, that was the way it was. Like you, you found like part four of six of something, and you read it, and you're like, "Well, I don't know what happens." And then, like decades later, you're like, "Oh, so that's how that story wrapped up, or that's how it started." So, oh, yeah, but it, it speaks to the fandom, right? Like you'll go with just part of a story, like, yeah, yeah. It was, it was interesting to have to. I bet it kind of worked on my inference. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. And the letter pages, I think we've probably talked about the letter pages before, how like you'd read an issue of, say, The Avengers, and then you would um, read the letter pages afterwards, and they would mention things that had happened five months previously. And so you were trying to put everything together, and you were kind of like a little detective with all this um, in that era, you know, because now you can just get online, and if you don't have the subscriptions, you can go to wikipedia or whatever and just read a summary of the whole thing yeah yeah which i always find i mean it's sort of like when someone describes to you what really good food tastes like you know i read the wikipedia for some stuff that i love and i'm like hey, yeah, yeah kind of but you, you missed that yeah um so yeah th- this was the issue that kind of dropped into my life as some issues did and and these aliens have this brilliant plan they uh launch a gene bomb a gene bomb, which is what happens to me sometimes after really bad fast food. Ha ha ha. No, no. Gene as in G-E-N-E. This is the thing that they detonate at the beginning of the issue. So we have some really interesting panels that are in sort of wash black and white. And what it does is it causes the superheroes to go wild in their superpowers. Their powers run off the charts and sort of implode upon themselves which is sort of like me after I've had too much green tea. It's mm-hmm. basically what happens. And uh, yeah, so there are these multiple subplots. There are these characters laid within characters, more characters than you ever knew was possible in the DC universe. And so we have a subplot with Batman tracking down Major Force. We have a subplot with the government sort of trying to figure out what to do with all of these superheroes. There's a very particular page that just sticks in my mind as the first time that I realized that there was more to the Batman or to the DC universe than Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman that we'll talk about in a little bit. See, I'm building suspense there. Like, not yeah. yet, not yet. Yeah. Um, And of course, there's the ultimate sort of way that the story comes together, which is that this little little known character called Superman meets up with this other sort of little known character, um, the Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern, and they sort of assemble to go take down the alien force. So uh, basically, I think that's kind of the the quick, quick version. I know, Adam, I know you're a Thundercats fan. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Did you not think that Ty Gore, who, by the way, I've never seen in any book ever since then or before, (laughs) is he not like the perfect link for a Thundercats crossover for DC Comics? I mean, I'm I'm just saying. 
I noticed that. I, I, I noticed that when I read through it, I was like, Ty Gore. That, and then I thought about the era, and it would have been, you know, close. Mm-hmm. I mean, like 88, 89, and Thundercatch was like 85 or something, right? 85, 86. So yeah. it, it would have been close. And this was not the first DC book that I read, but it was one of the first. I mean, looking back, I know that this was about the time I got into the story because of the Tim Burton film. And the first issue I ever read was a Detective Comics annual. Um, so this would have been maybe it's within the first five DC books and probably the first five comics that I read. And I just remember kind of going through it and thinking this, this was like also kind of the Christopher Reeves Superman in my mind of like this grand bold plot. Yeah. In a lot of comic stories, it's kind of like, okay, the Riddler's robbing a bank or, you know, whatever that story happens to be. But this one being the like mini series that it was, kind of carried that cinematic quality for me so i was like okay aliens and whitewashed panels and uh lots of superheroes sick in the hospital like this is very much this tracks with what i had experienced seeing some of the superheroes on the big screen so it just kind of went right along there with me and there are so many characters in this book i know now i had no idea who they were and there are still some that that I look back at and I'm like, huh, wonder what ever happened to that group. But it's sort of like, it's almost like the Avengers assemble moment in a DC book to see them all come together in issue three here and uh, take down the toothy, toothy alien group, the Dominators. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I get that with like the coming together. Although I will say, uh, one of the Green Lanterns featured here is Guy Gardner, right? Yeah, yeah. Man, they did a really good job of making making us hate Guy Gardner, didn't they? They really did. Even from, I remember I had this trading card of Guy Gardner, and he had like this sneer on his face, and he was sort of doing like this uh, ring enhanced yo yo thing. Yeah, and I even from that pose and that look, I was like, man. This guy's a jerk, you know. Now they they eventually did something more with him, right? I mean, is he do you know is he still around in like DC continuity now? I've not seen him around. Uh, I'm sure he is out there somewhere. I've not followed the Guy Gardner path, um, but I, I'm sure he's around. the The Green Lantern books have exploded into their own phenomenon. With you know, as we talked a couple of episodes ago all of these multiple, multiple Green Lanterns. I mean, it's truly a core of characters. I'm sure he's out there somewhere, and I hope that he's learned some manners since then. I know in the 90s, like when Kyle Kyle Rayner became Green Lantern, uh, Guy Gardner was then uh, the character Warrior, and he was Mm -hmm, no longer... mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know really much about that besides that he guest starred in the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern issues and had that code name and had different powers it seemed like his body would morph into weapons that he wanted or something like that like his hands maybe yeah uh, maybe yeah, I think just that's, his hands I don't know. yeah i think that, i think that's right yeah and i mean a good direction for that character who again was was not my favorite i would not trust guy Gardner to make me a sandwich uh, i wouldn't maybe warrior i don't know yeah I'll revisit that character but yeah um definitely definitely one of those characters that i mean the artists the creators just did a really interesting job at making him 
just not likable. Um, so you mentioned Bart Sears in the before show. We had the before show, and right. I just wanted to give a shout out. It's not that easy to find the creative team on this book. You do have to look a, around a little bit, but it was yeah. Keith Giffen and Bill Mantlow as the writer, as the writing team. Bart Sears as the penciler. Uh, four inkers on this throughout wow. the series. Yeah, uh, Joe Rubenstein, Tom Christopher. Dick Giordano and Pablo Marcos. And then the colorist was Gene D'Angelo. Letter was Gaspar Saladino. And the editors were Andrew Helfer, Helf, Helfer, sorry, and Kevin Dooley. So uh, a pretty, pretty large team. And this is war. And I say take no prisoners, according to Guy Gardner. That's what okay. the series was all about. You know, you mentioned Bart Sears, and it surprised me when I looked at this and I saw that it was Bart Sears um, because I knew him from Wizard Magazine and the mm-hmm. maybe uh, poorly named at this point from our perspective in 2023, uh, his Brutes and Babes column. And, yes, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I will say that there's like this one panel where it's like a close up of Captain Adam. Mm-hmm. And it's like his nose and his eye and Captain Adam kind of has that metallic sheen to him. And it yeah. reminded me of the brute and babe art because those characters were kind of, it seemed like they were kind of uh, metallic in, in appearance. And so I think this is probably a pretty early Bart Sears, but you can see him right there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was surprised when I saw that it was Bart Sears. Um, after because I, I read through it and then I, I like you say i don't think the credits were just right there yeah so yeah and then i saw that it was bart sears and i was like oh this must be a really early bart sears but like i say that one panel i was like oh yeah there he is yeah there's yeah. the bart sears that i know um i think i got to meet him at heroes con uh either last year or the year before and got his autograph and he was he was really nice and everything um but after looking at the series, I saw that um, somebody else that we have discussed on this show, he did the first two issues. Todd McFarlane did the first two issues. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now he, he uh, lesser known guy, right? right. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to him, right? Right, yeah. No, it was, um, and that was interesting too, to see a very early Todd McFarlane because that was probably the era when he was getting ready to jump on. I would say Spider-Man really. I think mm-hmm. he had probably already been on Hulk with that. So I don't really know how that timeline worked out for him. If he was doing a monthly book and these like 80 page monsters, you know, the, that, was, that was a lot of work, but I guess when you're young and you know, you're wanting to make a name for yourself. Right. But, it was fun to see the early art by both of these uh, people that went on to become, you know, mega stars. Um, it was interesting too to see Todd McFarlane's um, Superman because you know we'd seen his Batman, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, seeing his Superman was kind of new and interesting, and but it didn't quite have that refined Todd McFarlane look yet. Right. But, you know, you could still see it in there. There, there's definitely some McFarlane in the McFarlane for sure. Yeah. And Keith Giffen, um, Giffen, is that right? That's what I said. I hope that's right. Yeah. 
um, he had an interesting career too. Like he did, um, I think he wrote Ambush Bug. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes, the classic. How is that not like an, a TV series by now? You know, I don't know because I read that um, fairly recently too for the first time. And I'd always heard about it, seen the little ad, print ads and other DC comics, and it looked weird, but I never saw it anywhere to buy. But when I was reading it, I was like, this is kind of a blueprint for Deadpool. Mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the but fourth wall breaking. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the sense of humor. I think that's what that Keith uh, Giffen is known for, right? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, kind of the humor and playing with it a little bit and playing with the form and i mean dc dc has that potential right to bring in the strange the supernatural sometimes the comical i mean at one point we got a character in here that's kind of a large fox being we've got this like group of cat people like all of these interesting characters and personalities but then again marvel has you know we have groot and rocket and all of that too so just uh part of the inventive storytelling. I think uh, the other writer, Bill Mantlow, I think he co-created Rocket, didn't he? Rocket Raccoon. That right? Yeah, I believe so. Nice, um, nice. Adam, you have uh, a Rolodex of information over there that's just, it, it astounds me. It astounds me. Well, you know, it comes from, see, I played it smart. You know, like mm-hmm. in high school, when people were out like dating, and right. hanging out with friends, you know, socializing. If you right, will. right. I was reading comics and memorizing useless trivia. So, well, you you did not miss anything, or so I've been told. I don't know, because hmm. I was doing the same thing. I was yeah. at home reading comics and listening to my CDs. So, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I do like the first few pages, you know, to create that kind of um, cataclysmic event. The, the black and white art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I also wondered how they did it. I wondered if they, because this would have been you know a long time ago and before maybe digital art was really a thing. And so I was wondering how they created these effects. If they just, if like Bart Sears drew it normally and then it got, they flipped it somehow as like a negative in the production process or if he, like surely he didn't draw them, draw this on like, no, I started to say he didn't draw this on black paper, but I don't think that probably would have been a thing either at that time, but yeah, comic paper and drawing a white pen. I don't think that would have been a thing. So yeah, that, and it, what an introduction to that issue. And again, thinking of younger me reading it and just kind of stepping into the story right there. Uh, The page, the splash page that I always think about, that's just, like seared into my mind no pun intended is uh page 33 where you've got this big view of the hospital beds yeah all of the superheroes yeah and and again you know at this point in time i had read some batman i was beginning to get introduced to the world of comics picking them up where i could i would occasionally get like a conan issue like a big black and white format magazine of conan but i yeah the cast of characters in my head was pretty small and so i can remember as a kid 
like trying to peer down at these hospital beds. For those of you that, that aren't reading the issue at home, it's this splash page where it's row upon row of hospital bed. And uh, the government officials, Amanda Waller is with them, is sort of like going, oh my God, patience. And it's all of these superheroes that are wigging out with their powers. And so I can remember looking at these thinking, now who is that one? And who is that one? And just thinking about this big, massive universe that I had really just started to tap into. Because again, yeah. you know, Batman was the hero and I knew Superman and I knew Wonder Woman. But I did not know a lot of the characters that I met for the first time in this book. Probably the first time I met Manhunter, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. I mean, all of these, all of these characters. Yeah, there's a lot of characters here that I still don't know. Like I knew, um, I knew most of these characters, but people like Starman, is that his name? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I say I wasn't very impressed with Starman's suit. That was a- <laughs> It was an odd looking suit, but, um, but yeah. And like, what's the, the Russian guy? Well, what was his name? You know, he was in like the suit of armor, I think, or maybe there were several of them. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. There's like a, a team or a group. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know him either. And so, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see all these characters thrown together like this. It seems like they would do that once in a while. And I guess it was just really clever, clever marketing. Like I remember there was an issue of the Avengers where it said something like, you know, who's going to be the next Avenger pick two and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these little portraits on the, on the cover. And I didn't know half of them, you know, and so I wanted to go and find out who they were and track them down. And yeah, so it was kind of, I don't know, you said that about the, splash page with all the patients it kind of reminded me of that like oh yeah trying to figure out who these characters are well and the the russian guy too kind of reminds me every time i look at that design i'm like hey crimson dynamo is that crimson right. dynamo right uh which you know we kind of get into the overlap between some of the marvel and uh dc creations in that way too but uh yeah, and I, I think we need to start a hashtag for Tigor. I think Tigor needs. Yeah. Where's the Tigor, yeah. uh, like franchise at this point is what I want to know. Maybe Tigor could be our like mascot for this I like uh, that. for the podcast. Um, there's also an issue of X Men where um, so it must have been like you know five six months after this. Um, and it's the era when the X-Men were in Australia and Chris Claremont did like a little, um, kind of like, kind of like a little spoof of this where oh, like yeah. his gene bomb was, and they called it a gene bomb and the aliens looked a lot like these aliens, uh-huh. but the gene bomb was <laughs> J E A N bomb. And that, that, that gene bomb ruined relationships or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was fun to see, to know that that's out there and that, you know, kind of picking at each other with it. I liked it, though. I liked the miniseries. Um, I'm just not as familiar with DC, though. Did you read um, 
Crisis on Infinite Earths. Did you read that one? I did. I actually read it more recently because it was another one that I think I came across an issue at one time, um, but didn't have you know the full the full network of issues, the full series. So I actually read it not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was the crossover where they were trying to streamline the DC universe, right? Yes, yeah. And I mean, they, they've done multiple takes and multiple retakes on the DC universe. And uh, any day I expect them to reboot again, but I guess we'll see where they go with it. The big crossover of DC that I was like there for and excited for and I read, I enjoyed it. I, I don't know. It seems like it's not that well regarded now. But Zero Hour, you remember Zero Hour? I do remember Zero Hour. Yeah, I remember the bagged issues. Um, it was it's kind of that, am I thinking it was in that time frame, like not too long after Death of Superman, um, the next couple of years, and I guess they were looking for that next big event. Uh, because DC did that. I mean, you've got this invasion exclamation mark, but then you've got Death of Superman, Night Quest, um, yeah, those big yeah. stories. And what, what again, is so funny about this one is I met a lot of these characters for the first time uh, with Invasion. And then we've got like the Omega Men and the Blasters and Tigor and these characters that to me, I was like, oh, the, they're they're part of this, too. And it turns out, you know, uh, only only so far do they go in the story. But uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was a it was an interesting story. I appreciate you recommending this because, like I say, this was definitely out of my wheelhouse here. It was a nice revisit because this is one that uh, I'd been trying to even think of, like, what was that called, that one book? Because, again, it was like one of the first, I, I want to say maybe within the first three or four comics that I probably ever read. Um, and just to see some of the the really cool kind of intergalactic artwork. I mean, the to celebrate Bart Sears just a little bit. Um, the cool things that he does with Green Lantern, for instance, and some of those space battle kind of things, like looking at uh, page 64, where he's using the buzzsaw to sort yeah. of attack the ship and everything. Uh, some really, really interesting panels and, and lots going on in this book. Lots of characters. Um, yeah. And he drew good looking ships, too. He drew good-looking spaceships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A lot of a lot of line work on those spaceships. Very Star Warsy, Star Wars ish. And then speaking of Todd McFarlane, every time I see a space scene, I think about like we talked about those VHS tapes that he released of how to do comics artwork. Have we talked about those? I mean, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if we've talked about it on the, on the podcast. Yeah, so I just always think of like taking that toothbrush, which is one of the methods that I remember him showing. That in my mind, like Todd McFarlane is also cemented with those videos of him being like, if you want to make space, you just use a, a toothbrush and you know make yeah. stars that way. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Good tips from the masters, right? For sure. I didn't know Amanda Waller. Is that her name? Mm -hmm. was 
this old of a character. I did not know she'd been around that. Because in that recent announcement from uh, James Gunn, is that they're going to be some kind of like Amanda Waller show or... This yeah. is true. Yeah. And I did not know that she was... I, I don't know when she first appeared. I, I thought she was more of a Suicide Squad era character. But they've been around forever too. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I was going to say Suicide Squad... I read a collected edition of like the early issues and I want to say they were they were around in 87 88 but it was okay. like the the bronze tiger era, okay yeah. the yeah. like classic captain boomerang era mm -hmm. um, so definitely yeah yeah I mean Amanda Waller is one of those connecting figures kind of like Alfred you know like and so the, the, if you're a DC fan, there's that kind of iconic quality that I think Viola Davis brings to it, too. Sorry, yeah. you know, what were you going to say there? Um, I was going to say, I think it's interesting how little Batman was in this. Mm -hmm. this, was, yep. this was before the movie, so before Batmania, right? Yeah, yeah. Would have been released about the same time-ish. Yeah. Um, somewhere in that year. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you, I'm positive that if something like this happened today, some kind of crossover like this, it would be so Batman centered, you know, like he oh, would for be sure. leading the charge in some way. And, you know, just being one of, it's funny to see how characters kind of go in and out of popularity. Um, ap apparently like, Batman was not their big seller in like the seventies. It yeah. was Superman. You know, Superman was their their bigger one. At least that's what I think I've heard. I mean, you you're the DC guy, so you can tell me if I'm wrong there. But that that would track well because about that time, I mean, Batman was even he was part of the Outsiders for not the not the S.E. Hinton novel, uh, <laughs> but the <laughs> yeah, Pony Boy and right yeah. there with Pony Boy, yeah, Pony Boy Robin. No, he was part of the. Yeah, this really science fictional kind of group of characters, the outsiders. So yeah, um, and this is much more of a Superman, even Green Lantern centered kind of book. Yeah. I mean, yeah, another great splash page, speaking of, is page 42. Again, we're talking 42. This was a big issue with um, Green Lantern sort of flying there and transporting Martian Manhunter and... Uh, I'm just going to call him Crimson Dynamo right there, but right, I think yeah. that's like, <laughs> I think he's like Omega Man or something like that. Um, and then the only thing that ruins that, that splash page for me again uh, would be definitely Guy Gardner being right there. So here's the thing I hate Guy Gardner. All right, let's try that again. I hate. Uh, take two. Take okay. Two. I hate Guy Gardner as a character. Like his personality and his stupid face and his. His hair, you know, it was it was obnoxious. Yeah, I have to admit, there was an appeal about his suit to me. Like it was, you know, the the Green Lantern suit, kind of obviously done in like such a different style with the big chunky boots and the in the uh, vest and everything. I yeah. thought it. I, I'm sad to say, I thought it had a good look. Like it's that. not a bad. It's not a bad That's look, good. even with the bowl cut. I mean, you know. Yeah. Rocket Red is that guy's name. Okay. Good Lord. Rocket Red. I was right. Crimson Dynamo. Yeah. We'll just call him Crimson Dynamo. Yeah. Not, not a big seller, the Rocket Red. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine. So I like how it ended too. Uh, Perry White at the uh, buying the newspaper, and then like he opens it up, and it's like the it said rebirth, Earth's heroes cured. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a fun way to end it. It does feel. It feels like it ends a little quickly, and I know that feels weird to say for an 80-page book. Um, that's part three of three. But, you know, it does kind of have that, like, oh, okay, now we're ending kind of thing. I guess after we have the big space battle, I don't know. But as we've talked, we're obsessive, so we get to the end of the book and we want more. So I guess yeah. that's also part of that for me. When do you think Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman kind of became the trinity for for DC, you know, mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on with Wonder Woman at this point in, in DC history continuity. Yeah. But was there any Wonder Woman in here? Yeah. I didn't see Wonder Woman as part of this issue. I don't think maybe in one of those hospital beds. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I'm glad you you mentioned that because Wonder Woman is not a big central figure in this. Yeah. Um, it's just weird so. to have such a crossover mm-hmm. where their trinity is not heavily featured and in interacting and solving it. And you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it's almost these secondary characters like Guy Gardner and, uh, well, they had their mainstay, Tigor. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Their marquee uh-huh. character, Tigor. That's right. probably why. That's probably why they didn't feel like they needed Wonder Woman because they were like, we got, <laughs> we, got Red, we got Rocket Red and Tiger, you know. Um, but yeah, that's it's kind of an interesting question because I know Wonder Woman would have been popular around this time. This was not that far after the '70s show, um, and then there was, of course, the much loved television film um, with Kathy Lee Crosby. Everybody loves that one. Um, have you seen that one? I have not. Oh, you got to check it out. You got to check it out. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting question. Like what was happening in her publishing history at this point in time to make Tigor more of a draw? And there again, like you mentioned, Batman is kind of a backstage character, whereas uh, Superman has that connection to like the film series and everything that was happening. So yeah, yeah. Um, I guess he'd probably just had a movie come out, you know, within a year or two before this came out, right? The mm-hmm. Four, the Quest for Peace, or whatever. That's the only one that I, I can remember being advertised as like a new movie. Yeah, um, with Nuclear Man. Right. Yeah. Yep. Um, but because I remember that in that, what I think Grant Morrison wrote it, the the JLA. Uh, book from the 90s mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the mid or late 90s it i felt like it was definitely revolving around uh the, the trinity you know like the, the superman the batman and Wonder Woman, they were all featured like so heavily in that one so i just thought it was kind of odd that, and that like 88 89 seems like ancient history and the 90s don't seem like ancient history because i remember right. the 90s so well Mm -hmm. when you look at it and they're like less than 10 years apart like the book i'm talking about and this book less than 10 years apart that's i mean 10 i have shirts that are older than 10 years you know right right that's not like 
a huge gap in time there. But. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't get me started on how 2012 was 10 years ago, and it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not devolve into to our aging stories. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. but, but, you know, I think overall, speaking of aging, I think this book has aged pretty well. I mean, yeah, I did look right. at it, and I'm like, yeah, okay. We had some some interesting side characters. DC was maybe finding its way. Maybe it was at kind of a nexus point between the popularity of some of the Superman stuff and uh, what we would come to know as Batmania this very same year, which seems to, I mean, I would say that probably launched DC on an entirely new path. Um, to this day, I mean, how many Batman books are published every month or books that revolve around Batman? I feel like that. I feel like the Batman movie, not just for the Batman character, but for DC Comics in general, it was kind of like a watershed moment for the for the company. Like yeah. just a, uh, it's like a new era began. And I knew I knew that like uh, John Byrne had kickstarted Superman again, like rebooted him in '86, and that was a a new beginning. But I don't know. I feel like the Batman film was. Um, like they switched gears a little bit. Yeah. And, and when you think about like the aesthetic of Batman versus the aesthetic of Superman, I mean, night and day, pretty literally like yeah, those characters together, you almost have to bring one into the universe of the other, even though they're both technically in the same universe. So, I mean, I remember the, the books from the nineties being like, almost feels like they went in a more Gothic, direction um for a while a good bit of them i mean again we're talking the death of superman so i guess pretty gothic they're yeah. pretty yeah. dark storytelling and so you can kind of see how that influence carries over a little bit um but yeah yeah and and it is funny to to think about how this is aged and how now we're like where's the batman the batman would be all over this book um but instead there's always Tigor. Not and to I, be confused with Tigra. Tigra, yeah. And now there's like um, such a focus on like Superman and Batman's friendship. Mm -hmm. Like I don't remember, you know, seeing that in the last, there was a, there's a comic series, right? Where they teamed up and it was like a whole comic series for them. Right. Um, just Superman, Batman. And that started in the, was that late 90s or 2000s that that started? Um, I want to say that would have been late 90s. Okay. Late 90s, I think. Yeah. But I feel like such a big deal, more more of a focus is put on their friendship now than like in, in, in this time. But again, uh, I'm no DC expert, so uh, I don't know. There is the, I mean, and even in the 90s, they started doing like the world's finest. And so now and then you'd yeah. have a Superman Batman crossover. But yeah, it's become more of a, a mainstay. And I feel like Tom King, like that's something he really leaned into. Right. Even having like Lois Lane, Selena Kyle, Bruce, and, and Clark sort of go on double dates. Like, where did that come from? I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, which I guess humanizing them, you know, we talk a lot about that on on our episodes humanizing them is cool but uh yeah they they definitely at this point they're basically bunk mates yeah i guess uh so their their relationship has grown 
I'm yeah. glad for them. <laughs> we're, we're happy for them. Happy yeah, for you know. Yeah. Although it does make me kind of wonder, you know, in the recent books with Batman losing Alfred, did you know that happened? I'm, I'm sure you. Yeah. I, yeah. I knew it had happened. I, I wasn't reading it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, where's Superman now? When you need right. him, you know. Right, yeah. like, haven't seen him in the issues a whole lot in the past couple of years since uh, the spoiler alert der- death of Alfred, which again, I, I'm thinking they need to reboot that, but nevertheless, yeah. Alfred's about a thousand years old by now, but still. Right. Well, it was a, it was a good, good issue. Uh, ending a good mini series. I appreciate you bringing it to our attention. Um, this is usually the part where we would kind of tease what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we, we have something up our sleeve, but uh, yeah, we and uh, it's cold here, so the sleeves are long. It's true. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to say anything quite yet, but uh, it's not because we don't have ideas. We got ideas. We got big ideas. So we have plans for the next episode. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, we got plans and schemes and dreams. Um, this was episode. I think this was twelve. So uh-huh. lucky number thirteen. Uh, we might have something special, yeah. Or we might not. Might not. Might not. Might not. It's it's like uh, you know what it's like is again thinking back to my growing up with the DC comics. It's like Happy Meal toys. Like you might get a new one. It might be the same Batman figure you got last week, or it might be Catwoman on a roller coaster. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. But you never knew. Never knew. Well, it was it was it was fun. It was good talking about this. But Always I guess, good. Always I guess good. we've uh, reached the end of our episode, so I guess I'll say, stay obsessive. And if uh, you want to get in contact with the show, we would love to hear from you. Love to hear recommendations. And that's uh, the comic obsessive at gmail.com. We refresh it all the time. We, we just do. sit and refresh and go, are they listening? Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Stay obsessive, as obsessive as we are about checking our email. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a good episode. It's a good episode. Yeah. I hope, I hope I didn't bring the quality down with the, <laughs> no, with the anything, invasion. If anything, you, you bring it up. So. Aw, aw. You. <laughs> back at you. <laughs> all right. Everybody have a good day. And stay obsessed.